Welcome to the ESP PPE podcast, Proper Project Expectations. Just a quick setup or reminder of what we're doing here. This is our 2023 summer series covering selling under NEM3, working in solar in California, and why it's still the best place to sell solar in the country if you know how. We're all about learn, then earn, whether you're fresh to the industry or a sun-baked seasoned pro. In this podcast series, we'll go through the course of a project from some pre-sale topics all the way to final system activation. Don't take anything we say as gospel. Just try it on and see if you like it. Here we go. We're doing something a little bit different this week. Jack Walker, VP of Construction at Energy Service Partners, came up with five electrifying questions. We're asking that of all of our top battery manufacturers over the next few episodes here. We're going to be sharing these by way of our LinkedIn groups for California NEM3 discussions and home service professionals of California. So if that's how you found us, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't joined already, head on over to LinkedIn and do a search for those groups. We'll be happy to let you in and join the discussion. This week, we've got Franklin Whole Home. They are a great battery manufacturer, one of the highest capacities available on the market right now. And we had a great chat with them. So here we go. All right, we are live. Good morning, fellas. So great to see you. Danny, today we have the guys who are truly the guys from Franklin. Uh, Franklin Whole Home Battery is one of our primary uh, storage suppliers. Um, and Franklin has a unique story. Let me introduce our guests. Anthony Garay is our sales rep. He is a noted musician in California, loves to play the drums. He's got a good ear for those ghost notes that come from uh, from John Bonham. So he's listening and, and trying to definitely take those into his own repertoire. And Justin Hopkins is my pal. Love this guy to death. He's as passionate as they come. Hey, I'm going to uh, share my screen. We're going to jump into the five burning questions. Again, we talked a little bit about before I started recording. These are questions that like sales reps are going to sort of have at their repertoire to just sort of ease into conversations with homeowners. So let me jump into it. We'll go right down here to the five electric questions, the five electrifying questions. So in generic terms, right, how would you best describe the relationship of ESS and again, Gosh, this industry is so full of acronyms and and segmented, abbreviated words. At the end of the day, ESS like it simply means a battery. What how, what's the best way to describe the relationship of ESS within a PV system? Anthony, you take this one first, buddy. Okay, I, I mean the best way to describe you know the relationship between ESS and a PV system is nowadays is you know to think of the batteries. Uh, as a, ne a necessary piece of the, the system puzzle, if you will, right? Especially in California now under NEM 3.0. You know, the days of, of the one-to-one -one net metering credits are gone. And, you know, for customers to, to fully benefit from, from their solar investment, that's to protect them uh, from those utility costs, right? In order to give them total energy freedom. So, you know, as a sales consultant, it's your job to educate those customers and make sure they know, what to expect and how to, you know, put themselves in the best position. So before having, you know, two lines of defense, that was that was good enough. You know, one, you had, uh, you know, the, the energy being produced by the PV system for consumption. Um, and two, you had the one to one net metering credits filling the gaps for when the PV system wasn't producing. Now that the homeowners are responsible for that delta between, you know, the utility credits and, and the actual cost per kilowatt hour, they're left with some pretty hefty costs for energy that they actually produce. So 
homeowners are already paying for the energy with their you know initial cash investment or their monthly finance uh, payment, you know, or PPA or lease investment. The last thing that we want is is for those customers to have to pay again to get the energy back, right? They're already paying it in their monthly costs or their cash costs. Why pay to get that back, uh, that energy back that they they produce, right? It's, it's not right. So that ESS, um, you know, it, it adds another line of defense rounds out you know their their complete energy system and solidifies their solar investment so you know that protects those the, the homeowners the ess protects the homeowners with cost avoidance the the ability to store energy they produced on site and their batteries that means they can then discharge those batteries when needed instead of with uh, you know withdrawing from the grid and and right. paying those high cost delta uh, yeah. right so yeah. it, it Kind of creates that price versus cost scenario, right? It is of course, you know, with NEM 3.0, there's there's the the higher costs associated with that, but with that higher costs, uh, or I'm sorry, higher price comes uh, the lower cost overall and that investment. And and I think that's kind of the relationship we have to really focus on is is how are these benefit uh, how are these batteries benefiting them financially in the long run? So Anthony, if I'm hearing you correctly, right, the relationship is really one of storage. We're simply taking what is being made in excess from their PV and we're putting it into a battery so that it can be used by the homeowner or consumed by the homeowner later. I purposely use the word consume because in our next question, we're going to have the words that are put together, self-consumption, right? And it's a little bit confusing for a lot of people. And I'd really like to try to clear that up. But before I do, I think there's two things. I think there's two ways to sort of view this. One is a battery is sort of like a second gas tank in your vehicle, right? You Certainly, you have to fill up your primary gas tank. You do that at the gas station. But your battery at your home is really going to be your second gas tank that's being filled up by your PV system. And I think that's one of the great ways to look at it. The other, the other great one that I heard recently was every week or every two weeks, you get paid by your employer, and that money goes directly into your bank account, and your ATM card becomes your backup. Right. If you don't have cash in your pocket, you literally take out your ATM card and you withdraw from your bank. Right. So your storage system is much like your bank or your ATM card. Um, I, I, I like that analogy. That, that, that's a good one. Well, Jack, look, if I could follow that up before we go to the next question, I think, you know, you brought up something really, really smart where, you know, our, our solar systems are going full send all the time, right? They only run out at 11 <laughs> in terms of volume. So when most people, the way they live their lives, it's going to be unique. They don't use all their power during the day, right? So it's that's the essentialness of batteries or storage because the better the brain in the ESS, the better, the more power they get to use essentially when they actually need it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're tracking right. So without yeah. getting without getting into long conversations about the bell curve and how and when we live our lives, right? Most people, right. if you tell them, hey, you're going to have to change your lifestyle to go solar, right? They're going to go, nope, not. <laughs> I'm out. I am not doing that. My lifestyle is just the way I like it because we're all creatures of habit on some level, right? But at the end of the day, if that system is producing its most amount of power between 11 and 2, man, it'd be really great to have a battery that was almost empty by the time 11 o'clock came around or 10 o'clock in the morning came around. That way, you can maximize the amount of energy being put into that. Hey, this is starting to dip into a whole different segment. So I want to be a little bit careful here. Danny, yeah. two cents? 
Two cents. Uh, just because Justin said something I want to touch on. And uh, again, I think there's an easy way to go into a huge tangent on this. So I'll try to keep it brief. But when uh, years ago, different solar company, different battery manufacturer, we were having the conversation with them. And the first thing the guy said, he's the you know CEO of a big, I won't name names, but big battery uh, outfit you may have heard of. He goes, really, when it comes down to it, solar is kind of a dumb technology. And all of us are like, oh, how dare you, sir? you know, like clutching our pearls or whatever. But that's it's true solar solar only knows when the sun is up solar doesn't know what you need as a homeowner so the fact that with battery storage now and with the opportunity to do what we're going to talk about here jack on this next question i think we're really really starting to get into where we can we can do some cool like we we can be smart like star trek style cool cool brain (laughs) stuff i think so anyway Before we dive into question number two, and again, I'm not cutting anybody off intentionally, right? I want to try to keep this video within consumable time of viewers, right? But before we dive into question number two, if all four of us lived in the exact same house and we had the exact same solar system and we had the exact same number of people living in our house, all of our utility bills are going to be different because we all live our lives differently. You might get up earlier than I do. I might stay up later than you do, right? And so how and when we use our energy, like my wife only does laundry on Saturday morning. That's it. She only does it on Saturday morning. If you told her, hey man, you have to do your laundry between 11 and three, she's going to go, F you. I'm not doing that. I do it on Saturday morning. That's my style. So everybody lives a little bit differently. We're all going to use and consume energy differently, even if we lived in the exact same house with the exact same orientation and the exact same number of people. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Question Question number two is, what's the best way to help a consumer understand the term self-consumption? And during self-consumption, what's actually happening within the system? Justin, do you want to take a shot at this or you like me to jump yeah. in? No, I mean, there's, it's, it's really simple, right? With self-consumption. This means in self-consumption mode that you are using your power when you need it, right? It's kind of on demand. Uh, if you live in Arizona and the, you can actually like buy power in advance by like typing your some information into the meter and they'll give it to you as it comes. But the reality is, right, is like we were just talking about such a great transition. Your your solar, right, it's going to have extra power and your home isn't using it all the time. So being able to draw from that bank, take that money out whenever the bills do with your ATM card is essentially right what self-consumption is. What really happens in the system is... Like we, what we said, right? The solar is water. It's a flowing river. It never stops. Uh, the batteries give it a little pond to pull at. And then you get to go down with your bucket and pull it out of there. That's a good one. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really basic. And you know what I mean? The bigger the pond, the more water you have, the less you're apt to run out of water. So depending on just how thirsty you are, depends on the size of your battery. It really is that, it really is that simple. Yeah. And I'm glad you touched on that, right? Because Battery size and the amount of storage capacity you have can be a little misleading. And again, I'm setting up here for another episode, but just because a guy has 10 kilowatts of power in a battery or 14 kilowatts of power in a battery, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to let him drain all of that, right? There's two things that have to happen. One, we have to have a minimum state of charge in order to recharge the battery. That's important. Again, not a conversation that we would really dive deep into here. And then the other component of that is maybe, just maybe, you want to reserve some of that power so that 
in case you have an emergency where you do lose the utility, you've got some power to operate your house until the sun comes back up, at which point then you'll be operating off that. Now, that's two different scenarios that we're talking about. One, right, if somebody's setting up for self-consumption only, they wouldn't necessarily have backup power, but there is the option to actually integrate backup loads. And I think- uh, This is a great- this is the one of the best. I think, I mean, you're really giving the value sell for Franklin for us, but I'll let you keep it on. For sure. And and, I, and honestly, I think that's going to lead us really into like the next slide. But I always want to give my man, Danny, two cents. You got two cents, Danny? Let's keep, let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. All right, cool. Don't let me slow us down. Yeah, I mean, the greater the capacity, the greater the savings, right? Really Absolutely. So uh, the next two questions really line up well for what we're talking about, right? So under NEM 3.0, we have this really unique condition in California with the major three utility providers. And until NEM 3.0, technically you couldn't do this, right? But under NEM 3.0, we are now allowed to actually discharge our batteries back to the grid for whatever the grid credit is at that time. Can you talk a little bit, Anthony, about the significance of this and why it's so important for homeowners to utilize this feature? Yeah, so so there there are uh, you know several times throughout the year where where credits are high. Um, you know, homeowners can can customize their Franklin Whole Home app to to the everyday use of the battery and avoidance uh, benefits or avoidance cost benefits. But this is a really nice cherry on top. Okay, uh, being able to to sell back the energy for upwards of almost you know three dollars a kilowatt hour, that's a pretty good payback. Okay, so essentially, you know, knowing when those times are, programming your battery to discharge during those times, you're going to have improved ROI uh, for battery and PV, and you know it also helps the grid be more resilient and utilizes more renewable sources of energy. So there's some some really good financial benefits uh, in there for the customer that uh, you know you, they they definitely don't want to miss out on. All right. So if I heard you correctly, what I heard was there's points in time of the year and points in time of each day in which the credit that can be expelled from the battery to the grid has a higher value and the more of those credits that you can capture the the financial windfall becomes larger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And think about, right, like if you're discharging, you know, if you've got a nine kilowatt battery, you use, you have to use it, right, from probably five to six in September. You want to make sure that you're, you know, you've got enough power to get, you know, maximize those credits. And I think that's, you know, I like to toot our horn here a little bit, but that's one of the advantages of Franklin. You brought up usable capacity. We actually give the customer 13.6 kilowatt hours of usable that they can use all the way and still have power left over to start their solar system up the next day if there was an outage charge. So when you're discharging, that, that means that you could send back 10 kilowatt hours every day, still have a little bit of power to use at nighttime. So, hey, yep. if I heard you correctly, right, 30 bucks a day times 30 days, are we yep. talking about a $900 credit in just one month? Yeah. Doesn't, you don't have to worry about that December bill anymore, right? Um, especially if you get, you know, and one of the cool things about NEM 3.0 that's new to solar is the idea that you can change your true update one time. So I know a lot of guys don't know this, but, you know, you may sign the customer up in November and they get all their credits in September and they're not able to use all $900 before the end of the billing period. Right. But because, you know, you're such a good solar guy, you're going to remind them to call them in July the next year give them that phone call, swap it over, and now they can cover that credit for the entire year 
yep. and kind of milk off of it from the ATM. Yeah. In, in fact, Danny, this is one of the things that we touched on way back in the beginning that I definitely want to drill deeper into with our sales team specifically. We should figure out what is the month? Because everybody is going to be a little bit different, but what is the month? Do we want them to do it in July? Do we want them to do it in August? Like when Only September. Them- September from six to eight. You can go into the Franklin app and actually program to send exactly as little or as much as you want and what oh. your battery. Oh, no, no, no. No, for... For true when up. they want to oh, set the true about when to yeah, set. So. When was the best yeah. month? Oh, so as a company, month, we would yeah. love to have a recommendation, right, to our customers yeah. that says, hey, man, come July 30th, you want to make that your true update, and here's the reasons behind it. Or, hey, come September 2nd, you want to change your true update to this date, right? Whatever the, whatever the actual date is, as a company, yeah. we should have a recommended date. And I think we need to sort of start looking at that. This year, obviously, will be year one of figuring it out. And yep. once we get it figured out, we definitely want to have the appropriate recommendation. My money is on sometime between March and May, but I I remain open to being proven wrong by what actually happens. So. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. And the reason I say it that way is because I do think people live a little bit differently. And because people live differently, you might end up with different groups of people that want to true up in April and May. You're going to have people who are using an awful lot of power in, you know, May, June and July, and they might want to sort of hold those credits as long as possible and then true up. So again, I, I just think as a company, we probably should figure out what do we think it should be and how do we recommend that to a consumer? Excellent point. Do you have any thoughts on that, Justin? I haven't thought about that. That's actually a, a new one to me. So and any yeah. recommendation? I mean, I, it's that's a rabbit hole of epic proportions. That's why we're talking about the guys in the back. Room. Yeah, I have, I have three dates that I think are ideal. We'll share offline for $5,000. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So one of the best features to come from Franklin Whole Home is the buoy. I think the buoy is fabulous with you guys for a couple of different reasons. I'll list them right off the top of my head as I know them. But the first thing that I think is fabulous is the 200 amp bus bars that are contained inside of the buoy. And doing this allows you to theoretically move some loads around and offset the opportunities for some folks to have to have an MPU. It doesn't mean we're going to eliminate MPUs, but some folks will not have to have an MPU as a result of moving some loads and having these 200 amp bus bars and putting the sub panel between the two. Okay, that's one. Mm -hmm. But the other one is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but my understanding is there's two breakers in there that can be remotely controlled so that you actually have some uh, what's the word? Some load controlling or load shedding opportunities when you've got points of high power use. And because they're remotely controlled, a homeowner may say, hey, in this month, my rates are this high. I don't want these things running at this time. And they can turn them off remotely via the app. Correct. Yeah. So let's talk. So let's talk about it. In what way does the buoy help reduce the opportunities for MPUs? And what does that do to like sort of change or impact the overall system size yeah so so our, our pcs is uh is the best in the business uh what that allows us to do is is monitor and and limit current on the conductors thus bypassing the 120 percent rule and and what really makes that possible is that 280 amp 
uh, bus bar or 280 amp rated bus. Allows the addition of an EV charger landed, you know, at the source via the A gate. Um, you can add additional PV, you know, desired by the end users, you know, to be future proof. You know, you can also land a AC on the on that uh, smart circuit module, um, and those can be controlled, you know, of course, in an outage. It gives the customer that that customization. But really, how that happens is, you know, w- what that 280 amp bus bar allows or avoids is that main panel upgrades, uh, that main panel upgrade, and really, it does that by, you know, allowing the installers to expand on the customer's electrical systems without having to go that MPU route. So, you know, for example, you could keep a main panel at, let's say like a hundred amp breaker and not have to make any changes to it. You can add solar, battery, smart circuits, like you mentioned, um, on top of the existing main panel to expand on the uh, capabilities of that electrical system. So essentially, as you mentioned, since you have sources downstream, our A gate with that 280 amp bus bar essentially becomes the MPU. Okay. Yeah. Hey, let uh, me jump in real quick. So you mentioned two things, right? And I want to make sure we don't get too far down the road before people understand what the two yeah. things are that you're talking about. In this conversation, when you say a gate, you're referring to yes. what we call the backup interface. Yes. Industry wide, people call it a backup interface. Uh, it's really the layman's terms for being out in the field. A gate is what Franklin calls it. And then yes. you mentioned something at the start. Your opening sentence contained the letters PCS, another an acronym. What does PCS stand for? A power control system. Perfect. And all it does is limit the amount of power going to and from the main panel, right? Right. Technology is an amazing, amazing thing now. Got to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, Essentially bypassing, you know, that 120% rule with, uh, you know, yeah. Via software. Yeah. Awesome. And it, and again, it doesn't avoid all cost, right? We're still going to add a sub panel. We're going to create, there will be a cost built in that has to come right. with having this buoy and the ability to avoid the MPU. But whatever yes. the charge is for MPU, it's, it's significantly more than the charge for, for the sub panel. So again, there's definitely yes. avoidance when we can do it. We're not going to be able to do it in all cases but there will be many cases in which we can do it in. Right, right. And, and that is the sources downstream there. It'd be like a sub relocating and expanding on that electrical. Yeah, 100%. Danny, anything from you? Two cents here? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's bottom line. It comes back to what we've said a few times now. It's avoiding a huge cost that comes with a horrendous timeline. And yeah, there is a cost associated with it, but the mm. benefits that you unlock by doing it this way as opposed to the the traditional way that you know no, no matter no matter what is going to transpire within the customer's home or what their preference is of how they want their project lined up or whatever having these two options and being able to explain what the advantages are of of this uh, i think are definitely going to help absolutely and, 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 and i do have a little nugget there too on the uh, on the back side of that uh, for the okay. sales guys. So, you know, right now things are, you know, customers, well, they've always been price conscious, right? Right now things are very price focused, uh, you know, in the market with adding the batteries, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, brokerages and, and companies are getting used to trying to add in battery backup. Right. And, you know, I, I really think that the the MPU avoidance is a nice little nugget to have in your back pocket as a salesperson. A lot of these companies are selling remotely, which is great. 
Uh, but what that means is a lot of times they're not getting eyes on on those electrical systems. Um, a lot of times they're you know selling contracts, setting site site evaluations, going out doing the site surveys, and that's a beautiful thing. But a lot of times there are change orders with that. You know, a lot of companies may not be um, adding the proper expectations of MPU uh, possibilities. Right. Uh, this is just always something to kind of have in your back pocket when you're getting into those bidding wars. Yeah. Right, where it's like, hey, you know, you guys are great. I, I like you. You got, you know, similar product uh, warranties, good ratings, but they're just, you know, a thousand bucks less. So I think I'm going to go with them. You could always say, you know, how they talk to you about a main panel upgrade because I know what kind of ESS system they're they're uh, they're offering you, and pretty much MPUs are almost guaranteed these days when adding battery. So the fact that we can avoid that in most cases, you know. Who, who's who's more pricey now, right? Um, sure. So it's just just a little you know little something something on the sales side to to you know uh, use as as leverage when you when you need to pull uh pull it out. Yep, no worries. I think going into this last slide, it is definitely important to note and keep in mind Danny's take on this thing, which is the timeline. Nothing can be more yep. frustrating to a sales rep than having an EPC who takes a ridiculously long time to get something done. And I know that it is one of the biggest focuses of my company. I know it's one of the biggest focuses of almost all EPCs is how do we reduce our time? And if yeah. we can avoid MPUs and l listen, San Diego is my favorite place in the entire world. And I've been to many, many places, but San Diego, without a doubt, is my all time favorite. I would not want to have to wait the eight months that it is in this moment Hey, and I should probably date this just in case anybody wants to look at it in the future. Like we're talking about August 8th, 2023. <laughs> in this moment, it takes eight months to get probably. an MPU done, unless it's an emergency through San Diego Gas and Electric's Disco Rico line. So like it is a tremendous amount of time. Hey, no, Anthony, so thank you so much for being with us. We got one last sort of parting thought, and and it really is uh, sort of right up your alley. So I'll, I'll give you the next four minutes before we wrap this up to sort of talk about, hey man, what's the future for PV and ESS? And can you envision a day where consumers don't have a utility interconnection? Let's talk about it. Absolutely, I, I would love to see that day. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that, you know, for those that have, have worked in this industry for a minute, I think I'm about a decade in at this point. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm considered a dinosaur at this point uh, in the industry because it's changed so much. Uh, and it's been just amazing to see those improvements over time, right? Uh, you know, a decade ago, batteries were not really talked about very much. And it's great to see how they've really come in and, uh, you know, there's an obvious need for them. As, as far as, as seeing a day when the, the consumers don't have utility interconnection, it's a reality. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for it. I, I hope to see it. I think what comes with that is, you know, improvement on battery technology. And I think that's a really big focus um, in the industry right now. Uh, you know, working on higher power output, you know, longer lasting battery cells or, or lifespans, um, you know, increasing the uh, the uh, the technology based around the chemistries and people are getting really creative with that, thinking of different ways to do it. Of course, you know, integrating in with, uh, you know, bidirectional charging and then increased capacity too, right? How let's let's get that gas tank bigger. That's all kind of leading into to that being a possibility. Now, right now, in current times, it technically is a possibility uh, for some. And, you know, as long as their system or size, you know, their systems are sized appropriately, they never have to worry about being without power. Uh, so it's uh, it's an amazing thing. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. My two cents on this whole thing is that 
we've watched this industry change dramatically and drastically. When I started in the industry, it was 20, it was 2010. And we were literally working off 170 watt panels. Yeah. Today, we're up to 440 watt panels with bifacial right. technology. Like there is no doubt in my mind that that same sort of escalation is going to happen with batteries. And I am a firm believer that, and I would do it at my house. I'm a firm believer if somebody had an individual 40 kilowatt hour battery that I could mount on my wall in my garage on the opposite side of my main panel, I would absolutely stop paying my utility company and let them come pull the meter. Because yep. because 40 would absolutely be enough to carry my air conditioning yep. through the night. Oh, yeah. As long as, as, long as you had the power output, you'd be solid. Yeah. Yep. Danny, you got oh, two yeah. cents on this one. And I do have a I do have a closing statement about Franklin that I want to sort of just throw out to everybody. Excellent. Sounds good. I'm uh, at the risk of being accused of being an industry shill uh, for the utilities. I'm going to take a slightly different tack. Um, I'm just going to be parroting something that I heard, uh, you know, paraphrasing from a, several months ago. So uh, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I think that for for a sales rep, and and this is where I'm coming from. Anytime you hear somebody, uh, a, a potential customer, lead with "I want to be off grid," that's a landmine. That's a landmine. That's yeah. a field of landmines. Sure. Because their expectation, their imagination of what off grid looks like for them is very, very different from the reality today. In the <laughs> future, right. absolutely, Jack. Like you said, like once we've got, yeah, once once I can fire up the dilithium crystals and just you know run <laughs> run on whatever, like that's great. I'm <laughs> I'm into it. But yeah. I I think the thing that we should be talking about more currently is the fact that the utilities spend a lot of money hooking everybody up in their service area. And so unless it, it, unless you want to unhook your meter and, you know, risk the wrath of whatever the, the utility company is or the, or the right. city, like who knows, like they might be coming after you at, at that point. I think we do need to lean into this idea of, Hey, the utilities asked for this. So we're going to give them exactly what they wanted it by way by which I mean, we're only going to give them power when they're going to pay a fair rate for it. I'm not going to give them Jack. Sorry, Jack. I'm using, I'm using your name. Danny. Jack doesn't want to go. I don't, mean, I don't mean to take your name in vain. Uh, no, the, like we, we should be treating the utilities like, kind of the spoiled, greedy children that they are and say, yeah. oh, OK, cool. This is how you want to play. This is how we're going to play. Yeah. So we have the technology today to say, yeah, solar is awesome. The utility storage powers are getting better and better and smarter and smarter every day. And so, yeah, hey, you want to pay a premium only at certain hours of the day? Guess what, buddy? That's the only time you're paying me because I'm not going to give you the luxury of the pennies on the dollar that you want to pay or whatever. Yep. So I, I think the more that we can kind of reshape that and take the power away from the power companies and say, no, it does make more sense to have kind of these localized microgrids, you know, all that kind of stuff. Those are really the conversations that I think are going to move the needle today. And then we can get to the, yeah, everybody lives in a, you know, off grid paradise of their own, you know, whatever zompocalypse proof. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Thank like you so that. much, Danny. Hey, that was more like, that was more like, you know, 50 cents than two cents, but <laughs> you're so great. 
Hey, listen, guys, I truly appreciate you being here. This has been five electrifying questions for the NIM 3.0 California page. I really do uh, enjoy your company, Anthony. Thank you so much for sharing your stuff. Uh, That's going to close it for today. Thank you so much, guys. Great. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. The views expressed herein may or may not represent the views of Energy Service Partners Incorporated, its ownership, management, affiliates, or subsidiaries. No construction project is guaranteed to be free from errors at any stage, and nothing contained in this recording should be taken to imply otherwise.